Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Hey, Patrick, thanks so much for making time. As a busy CMO, I can only imagine finding time to do a podcast is tricky. Now, especially for you, the way you've moved into the CMO so quickly in in your career, we're going to unpack. But maybe for everyone tuning in, talk about what is Proposify and what does it mean being the CMO there today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Proposify is uh, online business proposal software. Uh, we're trying to help sales teams close more deals. We're trying to help them accelerate their sales process and take away all of the pain that goes along with creating sales documents, contracts, proposals, uh, agreements, whatever you might call them. A lot of manual work there for sales teams and a lot of opportunity at that point in the stage of the sales cycle to, uh, to make yourself look a little bit different and, and stand out from your competition. And, gotcha. Uh, as a CMO, yeah, I'm talking to those, those people, lots of sales leaders, marketing leaders, uh, sales operations. So across the kind of revenue tech stack, uh, get, get to work with a lot of awesome people. Cool. And, and to give people some perspective of the size of Proposify and specifically your marketing team within that, what does that look like today? Today, we are uh, about 10 people on the marketing team, and uh, the entire company is uh, just past 80 people, I believe. In terms of customer base, we're heading up on 10,000 accounts. In active users, that's probably close to two or three times that. And uh, revenue space, just to give people some, some context there, where I think we're, we're almost at $7.5 million in annual recurring revenue. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you've been there almost four years. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of that growth happen at those, at those stages. And maybe tell us a little bit about when you decided to join, what were you being hired for? Because this is your first CMO gig, but what, yeah. were you, what was the interview for Absolutely. When, you, was, when you walked in the door? It was for uh, growth hacking, the kind of term that's been coined. And I, don't, I know some people don't love that the hacking part of, of that term t- turned into a growth marketer as being the end, end title. But the, the same idea of, of, of measuring return on investment, conversion rates at each point of the funnel, trying to do some in, ingenuitive methods uh, to, to acquire customers and move them through the kind of customer journey and do that in as much of an analytical and measuring way as possible. So I was brought on as the second marketer uh, or third person on the marketing team had a designer and it was just a small scrappy little team at that point. And uh, I think we were just at around a million or less revenue. And so grown quite a bit since then. That's wild. So to unpack this for people and, and really highlight what you're hitting on there. I mean, you were, you went in for this growth hacker role with a company that's super early stage. And now you, you've seen this rise, which naturally you're a part of if you're now the CMO. And I, I mean, you got pretty lucky, I guess. And I totally agree. Yeah. Everyone, I think a lot of people will say on the Ed space, it's, yeah, right choices, right place, right time. Definitely got lucky, picked the right thing. It was the right time in a, in a career to make what someone might have thought of being a more risky move coming from where I was pretty young. I think only 26 at the time. And I thought, you know what? I might not want to make this risky move later. Let's do it now and see what happens. And, and so glad that I did. Moving from a, an agency-based role into a product, single product role was a big, big thing for me particularly. And uh, just being able to see what we've been able to do has been really exciting. So I'm curious a couple of things here. I, w- I want to ultimately get to this idea of 
you know, do you, are you happy being the CMO this early in your career? Or do you sometimes wish you were working your way through other roles and other companies? We'll get there, keep a bit of a cliffhanger for people, but maybe, you know, what I find interesting is you've got a team of 10 marketers for, for an 80 person company. That's relatively big, yep. which is very exciting. How many of those people were, were in place when, you know, when you joined, how many of them have you hired or how many of, of them had seen you and you know, encouraged you through these promotions? Yeah, absolutely. There were, so there were two people that were there when I started. One had, had been there for only two weeks and that's our, uh, our lead designer. And the, the other person I like to call uh, kind of a better half at work. We, we're like the right and left brain of the marketing team. So I'm the chief marketing officer, but we do have a chief communications officer. And we do work very, very closely and very well together where my role is very much uh, leans more in the strategy analytics uh, measurement operation side of our marketing team. And Jen Faulkner is the other person. She, uh, it comes from a copywriting background. So from a branding positioning perspective, uh, digging into our personas and the language that we're using to market to our, to our team, those are her expertise. And so there's obviously a lot of overlap between the two, but it's very complimentary when it comes down, comes down to that. So those are the three people that were there when we started and we've kind of hired, hired out the, the team from there. And we're all three of us still here at the company now. That's fantastic. So how did you go about figuring out the type of roles that you wanted to hire for, given that, you know, again, this is your first opportunity as a CMO, architecting a team in in your eyes, but, you know, maybe without tons of been there, done this before. Did you use best practices? How did you go about it? Yeah. And there was none there, none have been there, done that. And that's kind of a lot of what our company has been. There's a lot of firsts in our company, our leadership team, almost everyone is uh, in, in a first type of role, but that's exciting because we're just all good problem solvers and working towards kind of a, a collective goal. But yeah, we don't bring as much of that. Some people might call it baggage. Some people might call it just a <laughs> clean slate, but uh, no, we had to, we had to research. We had to ask people who might have a little bit more experience, any recommendations, a little bit of coaching, and then just our gut feeling a little bit of what we needed at the time. And, and how that aligned with our strategy. It was really, we, we set annual quarterly goals and, and objectives and say, where, where are the missing pieces? What do we need to do that? And a little bit of when you're scaling a company like that, you're always trying to work yourself out of a job. Our CEO, Kyle, always tells me that. Um, he's done it a number of times. When you're a co-founder at a startup, you wear many hats. You wear every single hat. Your accounting, your customer success, your customer support, your development, and then you hire your first CTO. And then your CTO takes over all of development. You hire your first marketer and then they take over the marketing. I think the same thing applies to a leader, even in the marketing team. When it was just the three of us, we had someone doing all the writing, someone doing all of the designing and someone doing all of the logistics to to put all the pieces together. And then you start slowly but surely hiring yourself out of that job as much as you can. I like that. I like that idea of hiring yourself out of your job. That's, that's almost a, an interesting title maybe for this podcast when we publish it. Maybe talk to us as, as great as it obviously is seeing the success of the company that you started as a growth hacker with now as CMO at, you know, what are some of the things that you sometimes maybe wished yourself, you know, that you had had more of a tour of duty, if you will, before getting, you know, what are some of the things that you maybe don't get or what are ways that you're supplementing those if you realize you need them? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you don't know, don't know the pitfalls. We've overhauled our 
tech stack, made some wrong choices in technology and had to go back some learning lessons there that someone else might know, you know what, let's just go right to Marketo. Let's just go right to this enterprise level software, or let's not do that because that we're not at the right stage for that. Or um, even just like you said, the structure of the team, knowing how to create the right structure of a marketing roles when there's so many different types of roles within marketing, design, copywriting, social media roles, analytics, just uh, we have data operations actually under our marketing team as well. So there's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces there and, and just managing all those heads with, with no experience of doing it before can be, can be tough. Lots of reading, lots of knowledge sharing from those of the best. Uh, it's a kind of the best time in our industry that it ever has been of people willing to share content based on if you want to call it content marketing, people are giving away a lot of information for free. So uh, we're doing lots, lots of reading from the best, lots of trial and error. But uh, at, at the end of the day, tying it back to what we need to get done and where our vision is. And if, if that aligns, that's where we go. So that's, that's I, I think, a great outlook and great way to, to approach it, especially all that free information, as you put it, that's out there. Now, you know, if you if we go back in your career, we won't go back too far, but before you joined Proposify, you're with a company called Time and Space Media. Maybe in you know again, just highlighting how quickly you've been able to accelerate in your career into these opportunities. What are one or two tips for people? Because just because you're in the right company doesn't mean you're going to be tapped to be the CMO, right? And, you yeah. know, as you said, there's three of you, you're all there today because you're adding value, but they could have gone outside. They could have, you know, tapped one of your other team members. What are some of the things that you've done to create those opportunities for yourself and give confidence? It's, it's a little bit of right place, right time, but I do like to say you have to prepare yourself to be at the right place at the right time. So you never, hindsight's twenty twenty. You don't know what you're doing today. That's going to be add value to your career two years, three years, 10 years down the road. And it, the pieces all just did seem to fit into place. Even going through university, I did a minor in computer science where at the university that I went to, you had to do a minor in something. So a lot of people were doing an economics minor with, with commerce or math or, or, or psychology for marketing, for example. That was the only person to do a computer science minor and that kind of technical knowledge, I can't actually code you anything. But acting as a translator between a development team and a marketing team is a very valuable skill to have that not a lot of people can do. And so that was kind of, I was interested in technology and I was interested in business and, and kind of mashed the two together early on. That then took me into a paid advertising sort of world to prepare good timing, right place when Facebook was ads started to be a thing, uh, working with other people's budgets in an agency digging into the other companies' analytics and measuring their conversion rates across different channels, taking all of that knowledge and applying it to the next thing and applying it to the next thing. So continuing to just learn as much as you possibly can, apply that to what you're, the next thing that you want to do, being able to then position your play, yourself in the right role at the right time. So that growth hacking role, I had an analytics background, I had paid advertising background. I taught myself SEO tactics on the job because that was one place that I didn't just excel at the time, but dug right into it right away and became more of a kind of a full funnel marketer, if you might call it that. And then now it's more learning management skills and applying that and delegating and training people up with the things that I've been able to, to take on over, over time. 
That's great. Well, there you got it, everyone. I mean, I think the key there that Patrick's been able to do is is really acquire knowledge and embrace that knowledge, whether it was from those around or or the opportunities that you created for yourself. And and I think that's you know that that's a interesting way to you know fast pass fast track, I'll say yeah. yourself to uh, to this point in your journey. We're going to take a quick pause here on this path, Patrick. And we're going to come back, talk a little bit about the buyer journey that you're creating that's created so much success for you and your team at Proposify. We'll be right back here. Want to create high converting experiences for your demand strategies that accelerate pipeline and drive revenue? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and Stantec are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies. And we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com slash journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences to drive demand. All right, Patrick. So we hit on your career journey, which is really interesting how quick it's been and how you've gone into this amazing opportunity with a, with a high growth company like Proposify. And you hit on a really interesting part in that first segment. So for those who missed it, I believe it was Jen, who's the chief customer officer or she chief communications officer at Proposify. And you and I off the air clarified that both of you are part of the executive team there. Maybe you can help us understand, first of all, who else is on the executive team at this stage? Like what are just the titles? And then we'll get to how that balances having those two minds at the table. Yeah, absolutely. So the rest of our executive team, myself and Jen, our CEO, Kyle, and co-founder and COO, Kevin Springer, they're the two leaders of the company. We also have a, a director of sales, a director of customer success, customer support, and our, our VP of operations, who used to be our HR manager, but is now uh, taking care of, uh, of other departments as well. Oh, as, gotcha. sorry, as, well, as well as our CTO and chief product officer. So it's a, it's a pretty big leadership team, but we all handle uh, pretty specific parts of the company. Interesting. So at Uberflip here, I am the CMO as well. And we also have a second marketing voice on our exec team. We have our VP of marketing, who's definitely, I would say, similarly, uh, a very demand minded, analytical minded, operational marketer. You know, sometimes I will lean more to that creative side. But I've heard people critique before saying, you know, when you have too many marketing voices at the executive table, it creates conflict or lack of decisiveness, how would you argue the pros and cons for the actual buyer journey by having both of you sitting there? Absolutely. I do see it as more of a, of a partnership and a, a two parts make a, a greater whole or two, one plus one equals three sort of analogy. In our scenario, I do agree that that might not be the right thing for every company. It really kind of depends on the people, who they are, what their specialties are, and, and how they get along and work with each other. Luckily, Jen and I get uh, get along and work and look very well together, and we're respectful of, of the expertise of the other person. Just like you said that your VP of marketing might be a little bit uh, more specialized in, in the technical aspects of marketing, and you, and you lean to them to do those roles. Same sort of things ha- happens here. Uh, if it comes down to, oh, what should we call this thing? Or how should we position this message to make sure that it resonates right with the audience? I'm going to lean on Jen 100% of the time. 
when it comes to things uh, like how should we structure the the flow of this of this journey and and make sure that we can track the the success and metrics of that all the at the end of the day and how that results in in revenue at the bottom line she's going to defer defer to me on that every single time too and if it comes down to the end of the day if we've got two options and one seems like a a, a better revenue opportunity for that 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 may win out and there are other times where we have a gut feeling that says you know we should just try this let's let's go for it we think this is going to resonate with our audience and and we'll take it that way too so you, you lined up a great question or a great debate that I have with a lot of marketers sometimes, which is you've got Jen as chief communication officer figuring out the content to go into all these experiences. And perhaps you could say that you're the one figuring out what that journey looks like more holistically yeah. that needs all of her great content to be plugged into. Okay. How would you say... What comes first? It's a, this is a chicken before the egg type of debate. Yeah. Do, you, do you map the journey first and then go to Jen and say, listen, these are the content pieces that we need? Or do you take all of the content that needs to be told and figure out how to map? How do you, how did the two of you balance that, dis, that decision? Definitely. I, th- I think when it comes down to what are our annual ob- objectives and, and goals, that's thought of more of the, the journey and what do we need to do to get there? whether that's how do we get our customers to do X or how do we generate more revenue from Y, we can create a strategy and, and, and of creating that, that structure ahead of time and then plug and play with what's the strategic direction to get there. My question might be, we need to acquire more of this level of a persona or we, um, we're, we're shifting markets a little bit or we're tra- testing out a new market. This is the definition of the, the research that we've done, talking to customers and what our data supports. What can we create to, to, to speak to this audience? That, so that could come first. Let's try and bring that, that example to life. You know, perhaps you have a real life example. Sure. You know, Proposify, from what you told us at the beginning, I assume that you've got more than one persona from a job title perspective between yep. whether it's finance or sales that you've got to sell to. How, how does that end up? sorted out between the two of you so we actually work collectively together on on revamping our target personas this past a year to just to learn more about them so there's more customer research more um more depth uh, dug in we did some 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 even paid research and needed to discover who they were because we did a little bit of a moving up market from uh more to the SMB space than say a, a solo entrepreneur or a freelancer type of type of space. And we needed to learn more about that segment. We used to market a lot to people who looked like ourselves. So we, we, we could speak to them very, very easily. We started marketing to people that were less and less familiar to us. So we started talking to those people and we started researching them and, and looking into what, what, what was effective. And then we had to make messaging changes across, across uh, our blog content, across market messaging on our website so it really came down to us agreeing and defining what those personas were at a time and then letting the, the minds at work, so to speak, create content that we, that we think resonates with them uh, and gets our value propositions across. So I'm curious, I, I think you said one of the members of the team does more product marketing. Is that an accurate description of role? Um, yeah, the, the content team does create what we call like mid-funnel content, content for people who are either closer to purchase or have just purchased and are more, uh, it's more of a customer success kind of aid or enablement. 
So sorry, to, to clarify maybe my question, the, the product marketing function on your 10-person team, does that live more as a subset of content strategy or does that live more so as a subset of how you go to market from a demand perspective? We're actually going to be hiring a dedicated product marketer when this, uh, when this uh, gets released, hopefully, <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe we already have. Um, right now, that's, uh, it's shared across uh, a couple members of the team, even across a product team and, and myself. So I'd say right now it's more under the functional side, but uh, there are pieces of content that definitely live under the, under the content side as well. So that's maybe not much of an answer. It's a little bit of... Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting transition you've got ahead uh, you know, in terms of figuring out how you balance that persona research that you went through, which is great that you were able to do that and thinking about, okay, is this something that that the content team should own and the communications team should own? Or is this more about how we engage the, these audiences, yeah. which is typically more channel driven and more campaign driven ar- around the demand lens? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, we, um, Jen and myself owned that project along with our CEO as well. And then the, the past half of the year is really about making sure that that resonates within, within everyone. So we might have owned it from a project perspective, but now I believe everyone owns that. Everyone owns the, those personas and learning more about them and digging more in. They're ever evolving. And I don't really, it doesn't matter if you're on the content team or any other team, you need to know what the, who those personas are and own it yourself. Gotcha. So last quick question on this, the paid research that you did on personas, you know, as we talked about in the first half of the show, First time CMO deciding as you go, would you, would you pay for that research again or would you just focus more on customer discussions? That's, that's a debate we always have here. Absolutely. It, it was a kind of a tag on and something else that we were doing. We we're doing some pricing research and the persona research came on top of that. We needed to do that in order to understand how to position and price the, proper, the, the product properly. To say there was definitely some very good learnings and then other things that left you wanting more. I'd say though the customer you can't go wrong with talking to customers though. That's that's a given. You do that 100% of the time every single time. We've been leveraging uh, call recording software quite a bit lately to just listen to our our sales demos and discovery calls with anyone that's uh, semi qualified um just as a as a scalable way to get the rest of our team on not necessarily live on calls with people but hearing the words that they use and the language that they use and what their pains and problems are. That's great. That's great. What software are you using for that? We are using, I don't want to get the name wrong. Probably the like there's chorus two or gong or it's chorus. Yeah. It's a there chorus. you go. There you go. Good stuff. Well, Patrick, this has been really helpful. I, I think a great combination of, of how you're, you know, leaning into this amazing opportunity that you've landed yourself into and, you know, how you're learning on the go and from the sounds of it, acting like a veteran based on some of the other CMOs and VPs who I get to chat with on the, on this podcast. So this has been a ton of fun. We're going to get everyone to stick around. We'll take a short break here, but then we'll, we'll learn a little bit about how Patrick balances all this busyness with some personal time on his own journeys. Right back here on The Marketer's Journey. All right, Patrick, we are back here on The Marketer's Journey. We've unpacked your career journey. We better understand how you engage buyers through their journey, but how do you take some time for your own journey? And you know, at the pace in which you've climbed through your career, it's, it's hard to imagine being able to take much vacation. First of all, how do you break for vacation or how do you set that as something that's important within your team? Absolutely. I'm a big advocate of taking 
taking any time that you have, use up any vacation days. They're there for a reason. Don't let them sit. We typically, we don't let those carry over to the next year because we want people to take them. And sometimes that is easier said than done. I think in the first year or so, I did have days left over that I didn't take and I, and I should have. I now make an, a, an active effort to take that time off. And just recently did a, a staycation. Just I had an extra extra five days that I, that I was going to take and no plans to go anywhere, no plans to do anything. And I just uh, took time off at home. It was a little bit eye-opening because I, try, I really tried to disconnect as much as I possibly could. So much so that I, I missed some of per, my personal life activities because I wasn't getting my Google calendar uh, and, uh, invites and announcements <laughs> and, and, and reminders. So I had to discover an, uh, a different way of actually managing my personal time because it was so connected to what work was before. But I think that's a good thing. I was so disconnected that, uh, that I was just in, in, in my own relaxing space. That's great. And, and for context for everyone, you live out, you're Canadian as well, like me, but you live out on, on the East Coast in Halifax. So what are some of the things that you do you know, on that staycation just to stay fresh and clear your mind other than you know, disconnecting from tech? Yeah, absolutely. If it was a little later in the season, I might try to go skiing. There's not a lot of good skiing out here, but we, we do our best. Uh, but this vacation, I was actually uh, I'm a hobbyist musician. I was refinishing a, a bass guitar in my free time. So I had a project to focus on in my free time that I could dedicate myself to. Uh, you get a sense of accomplishment, but it wasn't necessarily uh, work-related, but uh, still a lot of fun to, to do in my free time. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love that. I, I love the focus of you know, having something to complete and feel rewarded at the end. And you know, it sounds like that's a big part of how you're driving your team. And no big shock now that we've unpacked this, that you've you know, moved into the CMO role. And, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people we speak to in these early CMO roles, you, you know, some people may roll their eyes, but when you unpack the success you're having at Pro- Proposify, it's, it's pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, you should be proud of yourself. So congrats, wishing you nothing but success. And for everyone who's listened to this and unpacked Patrick's journey, uh, tune in for some of the other great marketing leaders that I get to chat with on a weekly basis here on this podcast. This has been The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy Frisch. A big thank you to Patrick Edmonds for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Randy. You've been listening to The Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.